Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. All right. Y'all ready to dive into the Word of God this morning? All right, two of you. The rest of you are just like, hurry up, I've got turkey smoking. <laughs> That's a whole other sermon. Yeah. Smoking turkey. Smoking turkey. <laughs> Well, today we're not going to talk about smoking turkeys, we're going to talk about smoking ravens. I don't know how that would taste, but we are going to talk about ravens. Uh, if you are a Bible thumper, you might already have a clue as to where we are going with this passage of Scripture today. 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17, where Elijah was fed by the ravens. Well, fed by God, and the ravens just happened to be a mediator. All right, uh, as everybody's turning to 1 Kings chapter 17, we are going to read 16 verses. Can you handle 16 verses? All right, if not, you're going to have to handle it anyways, because I, I have to say it all. I have to read all this so that it'll make some sense. 16 verses, we are going to read, um, starting at verse 1, and as you're turning there, you have a couple of announcements uh, obviously, um, just things are ramping up with, with COVID, and, and so we do uh, encourage you to let you know that we're still here for you, and in whatever way we can, our doors are open, our services are going, you're welcome to come here if you feel comfortable in doing so. Um, if you are nervous or worried about it in any way, shape, or form, then we are absolutely going to continue to provide this live stream for you. Now, things may be a little bit different, the sound may be a little different, and Hopefully there's not very much buffering. We were, we're still working on some of that. And actually, Pastor Jonathan has got COVID. So we usually use his phone and his stuff. But uh, we're having to do it a little bit differently today. So hang with us if things are a little bit different. Just hold on to that. We're, uh, we're, we're doing definitely the best we can. We're going to keep moving this forward as best as we can. So uh, we definitely want to pray for, for Pastor Jonathan and, and all of those that are uh, sick with this junky junk junk that's going around. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of getting tired of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> kind of getting tired of seeing this stuff going around. So, man, we, uh, but, you know, if, if you listen to all of all of those who think they know what's going on, you know, we may be in for a pretty, another pretty good season of this. And, and as we are entering into this, we, I want to make sure that we enter into this, uh, this season Really, not just studying so much what we fear and, and all the things that we hear, but studying the fact that God is still giving us an opportunity to come to Him and to know Him through all of this. Uh, but if this is still here, then God has allowed it to be for whatever reason. And as much as we don't like it, it's time for us, the people of God, to step back and go, Okay, Lord, what's your reason? I'm not going to waste this opportunity. I don't want to waste this time. What is your reason for all of this? Because I know that if we tap into that, then this, this will not be wasted and this will accomplish a greater glory and a greater good. So we are moving forward in this. Um, I hope this word today will help you out in that direction and with that thought. Um, also, obviously, I'm kind of sad, a little bit sad today, uh, mostly because uh, I think with my belly, no wisecracks. Um, but this is the first time in, in 20 years, in over 20 years, we have not had our annual Thanksgiving Day dinner immediately following service. And uh, I don't have to compete with that today. Usually on this day every year, I have to compete with that and my sermon is much shorter because everybody is sniffing and smelling all the good food that's coming in. Uh, we don't have to compete with that today. Um, but in a way, I'm kind of sad about that. But in another way, I believe that God, again, is getting our attention. 
He's getting our attention to maybe move us past just the, uh, the, the temporal things that we are involved with so often and move us into greater spiritual things, greater spiritual lessons that we need to learn and make sure that we have as the foundation. You know, the foundation of Thanksgiving is not turkey and dressing. Right? The foundation of Thanksgiving is not pumpkin pie and got to have the cool whip on top. You're going to have pumpkin pie, you don't have cool whip, you're not anointed. Right? you got to have them both. Uh, that, that, that's not the foundation of Thanksgiving. The foundation is that we are thankful for all of the things that God has done for us. We are thankful for all of the good times. And yes, we're even thankful for some of the hard times. Okay, all of the hard times that God has brought us through because it is through those things that he has taught us and brought us through that has revealed more about him to us than maybe some of the good times have. So we are going to just be thankful today no matter what. Amen? Amen. All right. First Kings chapter 17. Oh, also, I'm sorry. One more announcement. Ha ha, you thought you were going to read. Uh, we are not going to be having our Bible study this Sunday or this Wednesday night like we usually do because uh, we usually do not have the Wednesday night Bible study right before Thanksgiving. I know a lot of people are out and about getting things ready for Thanksgiving. So we are not having our service here, our Bible study here Wednesday, but I will be posting a video. We'll be putting something out there and it will, I'll give you a hint, it will have something to do with being thankful. Okay, uh, but it, it will be posted out there and ready for all of you who want to jump in and just watch that. And hopefully it will help you get your, your heart and your mind on uh, being thankful. So that will be out there, but we are not going to be having service this Wednesday. All right. Sorry. Had to make sure I got that in. Now, officially, are you ready for the fourth time to get to 1 Kings chapter 17 and starting at verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these years except at my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the, book, by the brook of Cherith which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he went and stayed by the, by the brook of Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So and the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a window, window, a widow was there, gathering sticks and he called to her and said please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink and as she was going to go get it he called to her and said please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand so she said as the Lord your God lives I do not have bread only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar and see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and then bring it to me and then afterward and make some for yourself and your son. For, this, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by 
Elijah. Father, we need you. We need you. God, I need you, Lord. This is not going to come by might or power, but by the will of your Holy Spirit, by, by you having your way and you doing what you do the best, Lord, and let us show up and be God. Oh, Lord, we need you. We need you in this word. We need you in our bodies. We need you in our minds. We need you in our hearts. We need you, God. This, this country needs you. Our churches, we need you, God. There are, there are churches right now that are struggling. Father, we just pray that you would send encouragement, send angels of encouragement to them to fight and to war for them. We are in a big battle, but I give you praise because you're a bigger God. And I give you praise because the battle is not ours. Teach us your ways in this word today. As we love you. And as we give you praise and glory and honor for who you are and this word you give forth today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pretty familiar passage of scripture. Uh, probably one of the few times in which uh, we see that a man of God was having to be socially distanced, um, quarantined, maybe not by a sickness or uh, but by a drought and by also the word of God saying that. Now, how many of you have studied Elijah before? And, and Elijah is still to this day known as one of the greatest prophets. I mean, you, you have to be Elijah. He'd have to be a bad man jamma to be able to go to the king and say, hey, king, guess what? It's going to be dry. The Lord says there's going to be no rain, and it's not going to rain until I say so. Now, I don't quite have the spiritual nerve to do that, but here you have Elijah, who has obviously gotten pretty close with God, because not only is Elijah a prophet, but Elijah is named as one who stands before God. Now, I don't know about you, but the very first time that I ever get to see the glory of God as in face-to-face and maybe in a heavenly encounter that he'll have for me, I, I don't think standing will be the first thing on my mind. Uh, I know some people who think he's, he's their homie or whatever would just go and give him a high five, or uh, I don't think God's into bust enough. I don't think it's like that. I think that the glory and the splendor of God is so incredible and so awesome that I will get my face. I will put my face down before his feet and I will be, be reluctant in looking up to him because of the glory and the power that he has. And I know what a mess I am. I know what I would be without God. But here we have Elijah who probably has gone through a transition of being that at first. But yet now that the state he is in has been given so much favor with God that God righteously has stood him up to be in his presence. What an amazing thing to realize that God has stood him up. In fact, that's what the word righteousness means. It means to have a right standing relationship with God. And I think that that comes not from uh, our own doing and our own, own will and our own attitudes. I think what that comes from is always humbling yourself first before God. And then we allow the power of God to stand us up in his righteousness to do his will and his glory. So here is someone who has lived a life of, of just serving God and humbling himself before God and allowing God to stand him up. And I've also found out that when God stands you up, he places you in positions of power and importance and impactfulness. And here he is getting to impact the greatest and the highest seat in the land, O King Ahab. Now, we all know King Ahab is not one of the better kings mentioned in the Bible. We all know that he had drifted away from doing things God's way. He had drifted away from doing things the way that his forefathers had taught him to do. And in fact, he had gotten into Baal worship. Uh, Baal worship, of course, was a pagan god in that day. It was a, a god, it was a Phoenician god as well as many other areas. But he was so involved in this, so entwined with this, that he actually married Jezebel. We know Jezebel has that famous name uh, of being a not-so-nice queen, especially when it comes to God's people. 
And Queen Jezebel was actually more of a Baal worshiper than he was. And so he had allowed that influence into his life and into his kingdom, which then in turn influenced the entire people of God. And that's when Elijah is getting with God and God says, okay, enough is enough. I'm tired of seeing this. I'm going to make something drastic happen. I'm going to make a move. And this move is not going to be necessarily something that we think is revival at first. But from this drought, I'm actually going to do something greater than what you originally ever thought. Because imagine being a man of God and being Elijah and watching all of your society go down the gutter. I say that with a pregnant pause. It's hard sometimes, isn't it? as a believer to look out and to see the things that are celebrated that we know that are not God's things. And we shake our head and we wonder, what do we do with that? How do we handle that? How do, what, what do we do in the midst of that? Well, I think first thing we do is humble ourselves back before God. I think that's the first thing we do is, is come, come back to humility before God and hit our knees and hit our face. And I do believe that as we do that, He will then raise us up to be the example He wants us to be at certain times and at certain places with certain impactful abilities and powers that are not coming from us. I believe that if we humble ourselves before God as children of God, I believe that He will be in charge of standing us up whenever he's wanting to do so. In fact, that is probably the key to the verse in 2 Chronicles that says, if my people who are called by my name. Aren't you glad it says, if my people? You know, a lot of, a lot of God's people is waiting for the whole world to humble themselves and pray. And that's not going to happen until we first do that. And we have to be willing to do that first. Elijah had to be willing to march to the beat of a different drum. Elijah had to be willing to march to the beat of the, of the drum that was coming from the chest and the heart of God. Elijah had to be willing to do that and, and, and step outside of the normal and outside of the status quo and be willing to live there and willing to stay there. Elijah had to be, Elijah was a weirdo. Have you ever really read about Elijah? He was weird. A lot of ancient prophets of God, they were weird. They were a little different. How many of y'all are going to go home and drive through McDonald's and say, I want locusts and honey? Okay. <laughs> uh, how many of you are going to wear camel hair to the next church service? Right? Um, it'll make you move more. Okay. Uh, it, it'll be a little itchy to make you move more. But, but they, they were a little different. They didn't march to the beat of a different drum. I love what Dave Ramsey said about marching to the beat of a different drum. He says, why march? Why not march to the beat of a different drum? Why not try to step outside of being normal? Try not to be normal because normal is broke. Yeah. Right? Normal is broke. No, normal is destitute. Normal is in debt. Normal is, is scrounging and struggling and trying to, to figure out how to live and how to get along. And as normal doesn't work. Oh, it's covered up like it does. Because I can be normal and drive a really nice truck and have a really nice this and a really nice that and a really nice this and a really nice that. And I can have all of those things. And, and on Facebook, I can look really good. But when I'm laying there at night, because I can't sleep because I don't have peace, normal isn't so good then, is it? Elijah, how many of you think God he wasn't normal? All right. Well, turn your neighbor and say, neither do you. Elijah, the one that stands before God, got an opportunity to stand before the king. And as he's standing before the king, I would have probably been a little more nervous than Elijah was. But it seems like Elijah, who was really standing before the king on the foundation of the king of kings, by the order of the king of kings, by the will of the king of kings, giving the word, not his word. This was not Elijah's word. This was God's word. You realize that? Elijah just didn't make this up. He, he didn't just, just dream about this thinking, oh, it would be cool if we had a drought for three years. That would be great. He didn't dream that up. He 
heard this from God, and so as he heard, as he heard this from God, he gives this out to the king, and he says, guess what, king? It's not going to be good news for three years. Now, why is this such a slap in the face of the kingdom? Because the kingdom was now falling under the influence of Baal, and one of the specialties of Baal was to bring water. To, to provide life by bringing water. That's what they prayed to Baal for, or at least one of the major reasons. So it is as, as if Elijah is saying, pray all you want to to your God, because he's not going to bring the water. I've told you that's been shut off, and it's not going to be turned back on until I say so. So obviously, he gets not in good graces with the king at the moment. And he has to flee, but as he flees the kingdom, God says, I've got a place for you to go. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe it's just the fact that I'm spiritually spoiled rotten. I don't know y'all look at me like I'm crazy, but, but really, um, in general, we're, we're pretty spoiled. Okay, I'm pretty spoiled. I really am, okay? Um, I get, you know, I got to go to my closet and pick out something to wear. And I know y'all are actually happy about that, right? Um, but, but when I picked that out, it was a number of shirts. In fact, I was looking at another shirt that I was telling Stephanie that I said, hey, I like that shirt. And she says, before you get that shirt, you gotta thin out your closet because there's no more room to cram anything else in there. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that I hold on to shirts that I can't even wear anymore mm. in the hopes that one day I'll be able to wear them. Hey, I can do that. No, it ain't going to happen, but I'm going to hold on to that, okay? Don't, don't make me get into the fight that we had about her throwing away my t-shirt with a big hole in the armpit, and I'm trying to drink it out of the trash, okay? Uh, I hold on to things, I've got all this, to be honest with you, I'm overflowing. I'm spoiled. I really am. I got to go to my refrigerator this morning and open it up and pick something out to eat. I got to get into a hot shower this morning and soak up with two or three different types of soap from top to bottom. Something's covered, right? I got a way to clean it up. I step out into a, a nice home that God has allowed me to have. And, and I, I'm around a, a wonderful family that, that, that I get to enjoy. And, and I got to get into one of two vehicles that we have and, and, and drive here. And I got to have gas in my car that I got to put in. And now I realize all of this did come because I am willing to get up and go to work for all of that. But also the bottom line is, is hey, we're spoiled, guys. We are. I know it's hard to sit in our face masks sometimes, but, but you know what? I can take you to some places in the world where this wouldn't be so bad. We are a bit spoiled sometimes. So God says, I've got something for you, Elijah. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Elijah, I'd be like, all right, everybody else is going to be in drought. I'm going to get to live in the lap of luxury, right? I get to go, get, get, I get, God's going to put me up at the Hotel Ritz, and I'm going to have room service, and I'm going to have it all taken care of, and it's all going to be wonderful, and I'll have a thermostat, and I'll have a comfortable bed, Everything will be great. Because I'm a man of God. And I stand before God and kings. But when God gives this message to Elijah, he says, I've got a spot for you. And it's over by this brook, by the brook of Cherith. Now, the significant thing about the brook of Cherith is that it is in a ravine system, so he didn't get to hide out there. But also, it is eastward which means past the Jordan and going eastward as in the same place that the Hebrew children were when they were wandering around in the wilderness east of the Jordan. What does that mean? That means that there was a season in Elijah's life that came upon Elijah, not because Elijah was a bad person, not because Elijah deserved to be in the wilderness, not because Elijah was, was needing to have a refresher course in anything, but Elijah was taken by God himself to this wilderness area so that Elijah would stay close to God. 
There's something about God allowing us to go through wilderness moments that I don't like it any more than any of you do. Or maybe y'all do. Maybe y'all do. Maybe you're okay with wilderness moments. <laughs> Good. Thank you. I'm glad somebody is, is honest. But to be honest with you, they're not easy moments. It's not easy to be in the wilderness and go to bed wondering and hoping that God's going to provide the manna in the morning. Because if he doesn't, what am I going to eat? What are we going to do? Uh, I got a whole family I got to provide for. And if I don't get manna in the morning, how am I going to provide for my family? And, and worrying and wondering and praying about that. Not only that, but how many of you have seen these, these survival shows? These, these, these like Alone and Survivor and all these kind of things where they, just, they, they take someone out to the middle of the wilderness and they say, here, do your best. Live for a while. And the, the, the hardest part about that being in that environment is that you're by yourself. Because everybody knows what happens when you start getting by yourself. Right? You start thinking different. You start missing things. You start, it, it becomes a psychology game just as much as it does a physical game. And it gets really hard if they're not careful, if they're not grounded. So Elijah is out in now the wilderness to be if you will, test it a bit to see how hard and how much you'll lean on God and trust in his word. Now, if I was in Elijah's camel hair, if I was in his sandals or flip-flops, whatever he was wearing, and God said, I'm going to provide for you a meal every day. It's going to be okay. And I'm sitting there and I'm expecting an angel to come down with this casserole dish. Um, and instead of, instead of me seeing an angel, I see a raven, a, a crow, a raven, a blackbird. And he, how many of you have ever seen ravens and crows? What are they usually surrounding? <laughs> and he comes flying in with a big hunk of meat. <laughs> now, now I'm, 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 my mind goes in different places, I think, than what <laughs> maybe some of y'all do. But if I see a, a, a raven, a, a crow, bringing to me a hunk of meat, actually bringing to me a sandwich, because it says he found a sandwich, some of the bread and meat, he found it and he brought it to me. My first thought is going to be, where did that come from? <laughs> what chariot ran over that? <laughs> is that? Did they have possums in the Bible? <laughs> did they have armadillos in the Bible? I, I don't know, but you know what? Sometimes God does things a little bit differently than what we expect. And sometimes he will take us to a place in the wilderness that is not always the easiest place to go through. And he has promised he will provide for us, but sometimes in the provision, we have to get over ourselves a little bit. We have to kind of get past our, our, our ways of doing things and our thoughts, because I will guarantee, maybe day one, maybe day two, maybe day three, that hunk of meat didn't look very temp tempting. But by about day 30, I'm going to be hitting that raven in the head, right? I'm going to get anything meat I can. I'm going to do whatever I can. And here's, I think, the biggest lesson we need to learn here before we move into the greater lesson that Elijah's going to be moving into. The biggest lesson here is this, is that sometimes God brings us through wilderness moments to teach us how to really trust that God cares for us and that God is here for us and to get alone with God. We, have, we don't know how long he was in the wilderness. Bible does not say he was there for three weeks, two weeks, five months, six months. We know he was there long enough. Most Bible scholars look at this and say he was there through the wet season because that wet season had probably had that brook up about as high as it could have been. And then he stayed there maybe two to three months as that wet season passed and it dried up because there was no rain there. Some estimate actually he stayed there upwards of a year. But we know this, there was a time where Elijah being the man of God that he is, 
was still called into being alone with God. You want to look at this way, quarantined with God only and pulled aside just for the sake of Elijah and God getting together. Now you would think, Elijah, he was past all of that, right? He was already a man of God that was standing in the presence of God, performing before kings words and things that God alone had said. He was already a man of God, and you would think, as a man of God, I've passed all of that. I don't need to get alone with God anymore. I've learned all I can learn. I've done all I can do as far as spiritually speaking. So I'm okay. I'm just going to scoot through the rest of life being who I am, unless you are Elijah and you realize that who you are is based solely on who he is, and what you have is only by what he has given, and what you're doing is only directed by him, and you realize that I, even I myself am not my own now. Here in America, we love to say, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? How many of you heard that before? Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And how many of you thank God for that? Okay, three of us. How many of you really you thank God that He is your Lord and He is your Savior? Okay, but let's put this back in order. He's your Savior and He's your Lord. That means once He has saved you and He's brought you in His kingdom, He's graced you, He's cleaned you, He's sanctified you, He's bringing you through, He's, he, he is, he's got you redeemed and He's got you, the Bible says you're sealed until the day of redemption. You, you are His, right? Which means He's not your Lord, right? Which means He has the right to do in your life whatever he deems is necessary. And sometimes it's not always easy. But we have this promise that God will never, ever waste an opportunity of getting through a season and getting to know him and getting to watch him do things in our life. He never wastes a battle. Living by the brook of Sherith was probably not the most comfortable thing. He had to make his own bed, probably out of hay and rocks and things that he had to gather up. He had to build a little shelter. He had to get, do all of it. He had no comforts or amenities. But what he did have was God. And he found out that was enough. And as much as we have all prayed, God, Deliver us from the COVID beast. It's still here. In fact, it's ramping up and it's roaring pretty loud again. And it has made some of us scratch our heads and think, well, God, what is this? Can I tell you what this is? It's a season for us to pull back, march to the beat of a different drum, listen and get to know Him and get close to Him. Which means that there is something on the other side of this season He wants us to do and He wants us to hear very clearly to know what to do when we get there. Because as we hear very clearly, He wants to make it very clear because it might be something that might be hard to do. But yet something, when we step out in obedience and do it, we see his miraculous hand at work. I have heard it said, I can't remember the author of this. I've read so many authors and books, but I've heard one author say it this way. God loves to take us to the hard places, to teach us the lessons that we need to learn so that when we get to the impossible places, we're willing to lean on the God that does impossible things. He had to bring Elijah to the hard part to get to the impossible part. What do you mean by that? Imagine being Elijah and you're watching this brook dry up and you know when you're thinking, okay, how much longer am I going to be here? And is the raven going to start delivering water jugs too? All of a sudden, the raven doesn't come, and the brook is dried up, and you pray and you seek God, what do we do? And God says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Your wilderness season is over. 
But I'm going to move you to a new place. And everybody, ooh, we get excited about going to new places in God. Amen, right? That's exciting. And then he says, to Zarephath. Now, most of us read that and we think, bless you, excuse you. Right? But, but when, when he heard Zarephath, I'm sure his demeanor thought, oh boy. Because Zarephath was the hometown of Queen Jezebel and full of Baal worship. It was one of the bigger cities in, in the Phoenician world. It was even one of the capital cities that was pretty full of people, but full of Baal-worshipping people. And God said, I've got a job for you to do, and I want you to go over to Zarephath, which is about a week's journey. It's about 85 miles. So here you've been living on raven food and a little trickle from the brook, and I want you to have the strength you need to get up and walk 85 miles and go to Zarephath. And as you go to Zarephath, I've got a special place for you inside of this hub of, of paganistic, heathenistic, Baal worship. I've got this one lady that I've chosen to show my glory to, and you're thinking, great, I hope this lady's nice. Right? I hope this lady's rich. Because I could really do for something not given to me that was not roadkill. Right? Uh, I could really maybe use an opportunity to relax for a moment. But instead, God says, no, I've chosen a widow. Now, a lot of times in, in our Western culture, we think of widow not the same as they thought back then. Okay? Back then, when he heard widow, it was one of probably the most destitute people out there. In that day and in that time, a, to be a widow was to be someone that was in serious need of help. That was just the way the system was set up. Now, thankfully, we have a lot of help set up for those type of people that need that kind of help. And that's a great thing. But in that day and time, that would be the same. The same as God telling you after a season of hard times, after a season of being fed by ravens, by the way, it was only breakfast and dinner. There wasn't even any lunch. Now maybe that would take off, right? Did you read that too? He said every morning and every evening. I'm thinking, where's lunch, right? Sorry, that's a side note. That shouldn't be thinking with my spoiled belly, okay? But then God said, after the season of a wilderness, <laughs> I want you to go and I want you to get provided for it. You're like, oh, good, finally. And I want you to go down there to this corner. And at that corner, you're going to find a man holding up a sign. And it's going to say, homeless, I need your help. God bless. You know, because they all say that. Right? Anything helps. Right? And I want you to go there. And I want you to ask him for your next meal. <laughs> and you walk 85 miles to get there. And then when you finally get there, you sit down and you're exhausted and here comes a widow and you know this person is going to provide for you. Okay, that's one thing. But look at what God tells him to do. This blows my mind because... I hate asking for stuff. I do, to a fault. To a fault. I, I, I really do. I've got to work on that. I don't ask for help. I don't ask for stuff. I don't ask for stuff near as much as I should just because, you know, I, I think I'm self-sufficient. I, I really hate doing that. Maybe some of y'all are not like that. Maybe I love asking for stuff. I don't know, but, but I don't. It, it, it bothers me to ask people for that stuff. Can somebody say, you know, you just going to leave me hanging up here on the next life? Okay. But to go and ask for a widow to help you, to support you, to provide for you when she's struggling, and then as if the thought he had was she could be struggling was solidified when he says, hey, would you give me a pancake and some water? And she says, oh, sir, I'd love to do so. But all I have is just enough for one pancake between my son and I and a little bit of water, and we're going to eat it and we're going to die. Now, that, that, we look at that and we think, wow, what an outlook. 
but yet she's gone through maybe even a couple of years now of drought, and this is all that's left. And she says, this is all we're going to do? We have made up in our minds. We're going to eat this, and we're going to die. What a great outlook. Some say, well, what about the son? What, what? Some say he could have been a very young son. And he was actually more of a hindrance than a help when it comes to support. So we look at it and we think, this, this person has very little to, to help with and very little to support with. And I'm going to go up to you and I'm going to ask for, for you to give that to me? I don't know if I could have done that. Can I just be honest with you this morning? I don't know if I could have done that. But yet God told him exactly to do that. And the reason why I could not have done that is because I would have looked at that and thought, ooh, this is impossible. This is impossible, Lord. But thankfully, Elijah had spent so much time with God that he realized that nothing is impossible with God. And I don't know how many of you read this like I did, but when it came to the point where she was discussing this with Elijah, and she turns to Elijah and she says, your God is said to do this. She didn't even say my God, our God. She said your God, which means she was a Baal worshiper, probably. So not only was she a widow, not only was she starving, not only was she about to die because she had nothing, but she wasn't even a woman of the living God. And Elijah goes to her and says, I want you to see what my living God can do. Because for the last two years, your dead God can't provide. But my living God is about to do something impossible. So as long as you allow me to stay at your house, and as long as you allow me to eat out of your flower bin and your oil cruise and your water bucket, as long as you allow me, as long as you support, as long as we stay in this system and this relationship, then God says he will provide for you. Now, we don't know how long that was, but apparently for a good season, not just Elijah, but the whole household got to live in the miraculous and see the impossible being done. So my question is this, now that we're in this season, are we going to take the opportunity that God has given us to seek Him, to get back with Him, and to get really in tune with Him? Because what could be on the horizon is another opportunity where you're going to get to see a window, I mean, widow, where you get to see God do something only God can do. You know what I think as people of God, that's where God wants us to be. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Sometimes I don't live by faith. Sometimes I live by self-sufficiency. But now we're entering into a season where living by faith is becoming more and more a reality. Maybe not necessarily by paycheck. Maybe just by our mental status of getting up another day and facing another crazy world. We're in a season right now, and I believe with all my heart, God is not going to waste this season. I don't know how long this season is going to be, six months, six days, six years. I, I don't know. But I know this. I'm not going to let it scoot by with a bad attitude of not being grateful and not being thankful. Using it to humble myself before the face of God. And then when he stands me up in his presence and speaks a word for me to step out and do, we're going to get to see the impossible become possible by the hand of Almighty God. Would you stand with me? Everything will come just play for me.
maybe, just maybe, He's giving us this hard season to prepare us for a window of opportunity that we would have missed if we would have been in our own way of thinking and doing things. Because if I was Elijah and God said, go to Zarephath, I'm going to provide for you. I would have gotten up and I would have gone to Zarephath, probably grumbling a little bit along the way because I never had, I never had lunch. Right? But when I got there and I sat on the well, I don't think I would have been looking for a widow to come by. And I don't think I would have put my hand out and said, I need you to give me something. I would have looked for, and it said that he was in the gate. He met her at the gate. We all know what that means. The gate is the business center of the city that all the business propositions and all of the men mostly would meet there at the gate and perform business deals and duties and shaking of the hands and getting things prepared and ready to, to do business adventures. I would have been Elijah looking at which one of you at the gate had the biggest gold pinky ring. Because that probably means he's got some money somewhere. And I would have went up to that one and said, hey, give me, give me, give me. But instead, God set this whole thing up for him to show his power. At the very point it was needed the most. At the very point she was at her last wit and last frustration, last hope. Just kind of like the, the disciples who got in the boat and started to row across the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible said the tempest came against them so strong that they rowed for about six hours and only made it halfway. And they were rowing against the wind and the waves were crashing over to the boat and they got about halfway, which they should have already been there by now. Have you ever felt that way? Man, I should already be further by now. And God, Christ, up on the mountain, watching over them and praying over them, has already determined the very spot he was going to walk to them on the water. Sometimes he's got this, he's got us in a situation to take us to a place where we are going to be at the very moment, at the very spot, at the very time in which he's going to show up. And I don't want to miss it. I don't know about you, but I've come too far to miss that. I've done too much to miss that. I've sowed too much seed to miss that. Well, to miss that appointment. I've lived too long, too hard, striving to see God do some things to miss that window or a widow of opportunity. I'm not going to miss it. How many of you can honestly say, I'm not going to miss that? Would you just pray that now? Lord God, align us. Just your ways. This is really have a place for just a minute. You want to sing a little? That's fine. But just a couple of minutes. Just pray. Just seek. Just say, God, I'm not going to miss any opportunity that you're going to give me.
are just presenting ourselves to you because we recognize that we need you. And we also recognize that, Lord, we've come too far to give up now. We've come too far to just throw our hands up. We've come this far. We, we don't want to miss an opportunity of your glory to move. We, we oh God, we, we don't want to miss not one breath that comes from your lungs. We don't want to miss not one word that comes from your mouth. We, we don't want to miss not one move of your hand. We, we don't want to miss this, Lord. We don't want to miss this. And I know, God, we're in a season that's not so fun. It's, it, it's not so great necessarily. There, there are struggles right now. There, there are things that don't look so good right now. We're, we're in a season that's not been so easy. But, Lord, I know, God, that you're using this season you're using it in a way to help us to, to hum, be humble before your presence and to realize that we are called to be a, a light and an example of your glory to others around us. And God, I know that you're going to use this season to teach us a very valuable lesson to, to lean on you, that you are our provider fully and completely. And Lord God, as we move from this season into the next season, I know that in that next season, you're going to help us be positioned in such a way that we are going to get to see you do something impossible, something incredible. And God, that by faith we live for that. By faith we live for that. By faith, we live for that. By faith, we live to see your hand move. By faith, we live to hear your word cry out. By faith, we live to see your glory come. By faith, we ask that your fire would fall. By faith, we ask that you would provide and do the miraculous. By faith, Lord. So Father God, as we're in this season, and then let not a one of us waste this opportunity to get closer to you. Father, let that, let that heart beat in us. Because I recognize that is your heartbeat over us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And if you love him, and if you don't want to miss it, say amen. 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 God bless you. We love you. Have a happy Thanksgiving. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.